a good day. Welcome again to our Bible study. We're going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 15 through 22. So today's lesson, or this week's lesson, is on paying the imperial tax to Caesar. A little bit of background before we start. You're going to see that the Pharisees are trying to entrap Jesus. And they're teamed up with the Herodians. Now, the Pharisees and the Herodians didn't get along. Really, they couldn't stand each other, right? And I'm going to explain that to you in a second, why they didn't. But you're going to see that the Pharisees are trying to entrap Jesus by using the Herodians. And remember, Jesus was given parables before this takes place. And two out of the three parables is actually pointed right at the Pharisees. And the Pharisees know this, right? Instead of, instead of accepting Jesus for who he really is and who he really was, right? They didn't. They became angry. They became upset. They became more jealous. Because everywhere that Jesus went, crowds followed him. Huge crowds, right? And he was getting a huge gathering. And the Pharisees didn't really like that. They were jealous. So they're trying to entrap Jesus to say something that goes against the Roman authority, the Roman government, so Jesus can be arrested, beaten, put in jail, and eventually killed, right? So open up your Bibles to Matthew 22, verses 15 through 22, and this is what verse 15 says. Then the Pharisees went out, and they laid plans to trap him in his words. Now again, those Pharisees were religious leaders, right? They didn't accept Jesus as the Messiah, right? You see, and the Pharisees knew the law. They knew the law of Moses, but they also studied the prophets. They also believed in the resurrection, right? You're going to see next week in next week's lessons that the Sadducees tries to join this group. The Sadducees, they understood the law of Moses, but they didn't believe in the resurrection. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees hated one another, right? Because they had two different views, but they're going to team up to work together to try to entrap Jesus. And the Herodians, there were Jewish people that actually worked for the Roman government. So the Jewish people really believed that these Herodians were traitors to the Jewish nation and the Jewish culture. But right now, they're all teaming up together to try to get Jesus to say something that goes against Roman law. But something else about the Pharisees, you need to understand that the Pharisees had their own man-made laws, right? It's called the law of the elders, and what they did was they followed the law of Moses, but they also followed the law of the elders and they twisted the law of Moses. So they scripture, they, they twisted the scripture to fit their narrative. That's what kind of people the Pharisees were. And Jesus is going to call them out on it a little bit later on in this Bible study. <clears throat> so we see that they're going to ask Jesus a question in order to discredit him, right? For the purposes of others not listening to him, not wanting to follow him, right? Now, this is Jesus. This is our Savior. This is our Redeemer. This is our Messiah, right? He came to give life and give it more abundantly. He came to have a godly influence for eternity on people, right? And what do they want to do with him, you say? Well, they want to shame him in public. And you ask, why? Because he didn't act. He didn't behave. He didn't teach according to how they wanted him to do or according to how what they wanted him to say, right? And the message for us is unless we are forming our opinions based upon Scripture, 
There's always going to be a disagreement of what we want and what the will of God is, what the purpose of God really is for our life. See, it's only when we are able to submit to His Word, to submit to His truth, that we can be people that should obey and want to obey God and want to obey the things that He has in store for us. In other words, His plans, His purposes, His will. So do we see that these Pharisees came in order to entrap Him, right? Why? Because they wanted Him arrested. They wanted Him put in jail. They wanted Him killed. Verse 16, they sent their disciples to Him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Look at that first text in verse 16 where it says, they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Now their disciples, meaning this was probably their best disciples, their top disciples, right? And you're going to see if you read the gospel of Luke, you see that the Pharisees, actually what they did with these people, their disciples, in this case, they disguised them to fit into the public, right? In other words, they dressed them up looking like regular normal Jewish people and they send them out into the public and they say, you ask these questions. So they're trying to entrap Jesus. They're trying to get him again to say the wrong thing so the Roman government can pick him up. How do I know that he was disguised? Well, in Luke 20, 20, he tells us. Keeping a close watch on him. They, meaning the Pharisees, they sent spies who pretended to be honest. They hoped to catch Jesus into something that he said so that they might have him handed over to the power of authority of the governor. So instead of bringing, instead of, of them bringing in Jesus to the Roman authority, what was happening was they used these people called the Herodians. In other words, they didn't want, because Jesus had a huge following everywhere he went, they did not want the crowds to turn on them, like the Pharisees. There's two things you need to know about Roman government. Roman government did not mess with you as long as you did two things. You paid your taxes, right? It's about money. It's like it always seems to be about money. And they did what? You didn't rebel against the government, period. Right. So the Pharisees right here, they're afraid of a revolt that the people, the Jewish people is going to turn on the Pharisees. So what they're trying to do is get the Herodians involved. Now, the Herodians were Jewish people that were loyal to Herod and the Roman Empire. So, in other words, there were traitors in, in the people of Israel and the people of of the Jews in their eyes. There were traitors. Right. They were the ones who assisted Rome under the leadership of Herod for the purposes of oppressing the Jewish people, you can say. But now these two groups, they're teaming up. Although they hated each other, they're teaming up together. Why? To entrap Jesus. So the Pharisees, for their own purposes, in other words, because of their pride, you can say, they made an agreement with the Herodians. Now, look what the Bible says about pride. In Proverbs 16.5, right? We know that pride is, 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 is the downfall, is the destruction. Scripture backs this up because Proverbs 16.5 says this, The Lord detests the proud. They will surely be punished. Right? Proverbs 16.18 says this, Pride goes before destruction 
a haughty spirit before a fall, right? So we see that if you are prideful, you know someone that is prideful, right? If they don't change their ways, they're headed straight, the Bible tells us, for destruction, right? And, and, and Jesus actually says this, that more people will get thrown into the lake of fire. In other words, hell, because of this right here, because of pride, right? I mean, when somebody's prideful, they only see one side of it. They see their side of it. And you can't negotiate with them, right? Now, the only one that can heal them is God. But they have to open their heart to God. They have to accept Jesus into their heart in order to change. And if not, the Bible says they're headed right down a road of destruction. Look at the second half of that text. They say this, teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. And the way you teach is the way of God in accordance with the truth. Now, what they're saying here is absolutely right. It's correct. However, these Pharisees didn't believe one word about what they were saying, right? What they're doing here is they're trying to flatter Jesus. They're using flattery on Jesus. And when someone does that to us, we need to be aware. We need to stand guard because oftentimes their words of flattery are for the purpose of manipulation, right? In order to get something that what? That they want. And in this case, what they want? They want Jesus to say something wrong that goes against the Roman government so Jesus can be arrested, right? So they say these things. Now, although they're true, like I said earlier, they really don't believe in it, right? They, they would not be saying it in this way if they really believed it. They wouldn't be trying to influence Jesus. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with truth. So they say that they know that Jesus is teaching and walking in the truth of God. So they're using flattery with the hopes of appealing to his vanities, you can say, right? In other words, they're trying to entrap him. And this is what the Bible says about people that try to flatter and try to entrap others. Proverbs 29.5 says this, those who flatter their neighbors, their neighbors meaning anybody you come in contact with. So those who flatter their neighbors are spreading nets for their feet. What this is saying is that flattery is a trap. There is a hidden motive, a hidden agenda behind someone using flattery. Look what else they say. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. In other words, Jesus doesn't have favorites, and that is right. Jesus does not have favorites, right? He isn't someone who will change his judgment because of who you are. In other words, on that day of judgment, you're going to go and front the face of Yeshua, the Messiah, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and he's not going to say, oh, because you so-and-so, you get into the kingdom of God, or because you did so much good work, you get into the kingdom of God, because you went to church every day, and because you are religious, you get in the kingdom of God. He's not saying that. That's not what's going to happen. The only way to the kingdom of God, the Bible says, is through faith in Jesus Christ, right? Knowing that he's the Messiah, knowing that he died on the third day, he rose again for you so we can have a chance at eternal life, at salvation, right? He's not going to play favorites. How much time are you spending with Jesus today, right? How much time are you spending in prayer with him, talking to him, but not only talking, but listening, saying, God, not my will be done, but your will be done. What do you want me to do for your kingdom today? Right. 
That's a question we need to ask ourselves. Are we concerned about the truth of God, right? Am I concerned about having a personal relationship with Jesus? Because Jesus intercedes to the Father and Jesus is the only way to the eternal kingdom of God. So when it comes to making a decision, right? Do you do it because it's the right thing to do, right? That's what Jesus is saying here. Or you do it because you want something in return, you want a favor. Because that's what's happening, right? And, and we might know somebody that's like that. Man, I'll do this for you, but I expect something in return. They never let you down. They never forget about it, right? Remember when I did so-and-so. Man, I need a favor now, you know? So in life, every day, is there a motive or agenda behind what you do? Right, because the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you're gonna see next week. But the Pharisees and the Herodians this week, what's happening here? There's an agenda behind what they say. There's an agenda behind what they do. Like this flattery, they're trying to flatter Jesus. Why? Because they need something. They want something. When you go throughout the day, right? How are you interacting with people? Are you interacting because you have a good heart, a heart like Jesus? Or do you maybe have a hidden agenda behind why you do the things that you do, right? Are you concerned about the truth of God? That's what Jesus wants to know. Amen? Verse 17. So tell us then, what is your opinion, they say, right? So in other words, now they want him to answer the question. Why? Because they're trying to trap him to say something that's going to get him arrested, right? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Now the Herodians, you got to understand, supported the tax. Although they were Jewish, they worked for the Roman government. Remember, they worked for Herod. They worked for the emperor. So they, they backed the tax, right? But, but the Pharisees, they didn't want a tax because really they were paying for the tax to have an invading army invade their land and keep them slaves. That's what the tax was about. So they asked them. So in other words, if Jesus sides with the Pharisees and says he teaches that you shouldn't pay taxes, this went against Roman law. This went against the Roman government. So Jesus could have been arrested because he's teaching to don't pay your taxes to the Roman government. In other words, he's, he's revolting, right? But if Jesus agrees that you should pay taxes, then now the people's going to say you agree with the Herodians. You're a traitor. Right. So Jesus is left in a tough situation here with this question. And the Pharisees now think they got him. They, they, they got him in trap. They, them and the Herodians, they got him in trap. They're going to have him arrested. So they ask him, is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Now, the imperial tax is also called the poll tax. Right. P-O-L-L. -L, poll tax. So it is a yearly tax that we use that was used to support the Roman troops in Israel. This is what it consisted of. It, it was a land tax that consisted of this. One-tenth of the tax on grain. One-fifth of the tax went to wine and oil. And one percent went to income tax on wage earners. Now, this was the most hated tax in Israel, right? Because it paid for invading armies to stay in the land. In other words, to keep the Jewish people oppressed. And actually, the hatred for this tax sparked a revolt after Jesus' death. So 
You see, one of the things that distinguished the Roman Empire from the rest of the empires that conquered the world is that the Roman Empire was worried about two things, as I said earlier. Paying taxes and having nobody revolt against their government. Nobody rebel. So they didn't care what religion you studied, what religion you believed, how you spoke, what language you spoke. They didn't care. Whereas the Jewish, I mean, the, the Greek culture before, right? When the Greeks invaded a country, what they did, you had to, your whole culture, your whole language, your religion, all had to do and had to be the same as theirs. But the Roman government's not like that. The Roman government, if you just pay your taxes and you didn't rebel, you was fine. They didn't mess with you. You didn't hear from them, right? So we see right here the Pharisees are getting to the heart of what, they, what the Roman Empire really wanted. And what they wanted was everybody to pay their taxes, right? They wanted everyone and everyone who would teach against this, like they're trying to get Jesus to do here, not pay the taxes and teach on that, then they would be considered an enemy of Rome. But if Jesus says, pay the taxes to Rome, then again, many in the Jewish community say, you siding with the Herodians, right? And they wouldn't follow him and they wouldn't listen to him. So Jesus is put in a tough situation here. But Jesus knows their intent. Jesus knows everything. See, Jesus knows your heart. Jesus knows what you're thinking, right? Today, right now. And Jesus knows that there's an evil intent behind this. And he tells them this. You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Now, again, Jesus knows all. And he says he knew their evil intent. Evil intent simply means doing that which goes against the will and the purposes of God. And I want you to learn this important principle right here. Anytime you choose something that goes against the will of God, you're choosing evil. And when you have chosen evil, you are going to be doing evil and you will receive the consequences of God's judgment that he sees is against him and against his will, against his plans and against his purposes. So anytime you go against the word of God and you decide to side with evil, right? You are going to suffer the consequences. Because God says, you put that first, that's on you. Now you by yourself, right? And he calls them hypocrites. So Jesus calls them hypocrites. He says, why are you trying to entrap me, right? So, so he's saying right here that earlier you saying that, uh, uh, you know, I'm not swayed by others and I'm, 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 I teach the truth of God, right? He's, they said that in a couple of verses before. So Jesus is saying here, if you really think that I am, the Messiah, right? You wouldn't be saying those things like you're saying them, right? I see all right through you. That's what Jesus is saying, right? You really don't believe in me, right? That's what he's saying here because he calls them hypocrites. Now, a hypocrite is somebody that knows the truth. They preach the truth, right? They teach the truth, but they never do the truth, right? That's what hypocrites are. They'll talk. They know it, but yet when it comes for them to practice it, they don't practice it at all, right? So we see right here that these people, they're totally against the truth of God, right? These people are men. These, these Pharisees are men of deceit. 
They're men of falsehood, right? In other words, they're not serving God, but they're serving Satan. And why do I say that? Because Satan is the authority of what? The author and the authority of what? Deceit and what? Lies. And that's what they're doing here. I mean, they dress up their own people. They hide them. They make them blend into the regular crowds. Why? And they train them into entrapping Jesus into saying something that goes against the Roman government. They're against the truth because Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the way. He is the truth and he is the life, right? All the miracles that Jesus did, everywhere he went, these Pharisees followed. They knew what the prophets had to say about the coming of the Messiah, right? Deep down inside, they know he's the Messiah, but what they, they, they want to turn from the truth of God because, because they jealous, because they get angry, because Jesus had this huge following, right? And in life, we see people like that in life that we encounter every day, that jealous type people, angry type people. Why? Because they're not getting the attention that they think they deserve. And that's how these Pharisees were. Verse 19, show me the coin used for paying the tax. And they brought him a denarius, right? Now, this denarius was one's work, one day of work. The wage that they would get for that one day of work was that denarius. Now, I want you to understand denarius is a Roman term for the Roman currency, right? Whereas the Jews had the shekels. Right. So anytime in the Bible, you read the Bible and you see shekels, that's Jewish money. Right. But denarius, that would be considered Roman money. So they bring him a denarius and he asked him. Now, Jesus knows who it is, but he's asking him something because he wants to get his point across here. Whose image is this? And whose inscription? So Jesus asked them a question about this coin. And look what they say in verse 21. They say, Caesar. Then he said to them, so give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but give to God what is God's. See, what wisdom that Jesus has here. He, he took a situation of entrapment because he was caught. Because again, if he says pay your taxes, right, he's considered a Herodian to the Jewish people. And he loses all of his following because the people believe that he was a prophet like John the Baptist. But if he says, don't pay your taxes, if he teaches against it, then he can be arrested. Because why? Because he's an enemy of the Roman government. He's an enemy of Rome, right? So, so what we see here is that Jesus used great wisdom and insight to tell these Pharisees and Herodians, right? Give to Caesar what is Caesar, but give to God what is God, right? See, it's interesting here because when you look at taxes in Israel, right? See, if, uh, a couple of chapters before, Jesus was into the temple, went into the temple, and he started flipping over the money tables, right? Remember, they would go to the temple once a year to pray during the Feast of Passover, right? And Jesus walks into the temple, and what they have, they're buying and selling, right? And they're selling goats, and they're selling pigeons and doves and so forth for, in order to sacrifice, Right? But they exchanging money because everything had to be converted to what? Into shekels, the Jewish money. Because it was the, for the temple tax. So the Jews were, were taxing themselves to pay for the temple tax. And, and right here, Caesar is taxing the Jewish people. Why? Because he's the authority. He is the government that's in control at this time. 
But the Jewish people are rebelling. So give to Caesar what is Caesar, but render to God what is God. That's what Jesus is saying. And when you look at this Roman denarius that they asked for, on one side was the engraving of the emperor. On the other side was the engraving of Caesar sitting on a throne in priestly robes designated as the high priest. And on top of that was the inscription of God. Now to Jews, this was, this was considered what? Idolatry. So there's no way they're going to use this coin. They might not even touch this coin, right? Because touching the coin was even considered idolatry at this time. To use this coin to pay taxes to this man Caesar was even worse for him. So when you look at the question and the answer, we need to remember this. Why did Jesus say it's okay to pay the taxes? Because that's what Jesus is saying. Give to Caesar what is Caesar, but give to God what is also to God. See, we need to remember that when, when God made creation, Government was one of the first three institutions established by God along with the church and marriage, right? Now, if you hear me talk and you hear me teach, I talk about government a lot, right? And governments of the world and the corruption that's happening in the governments of the world, especially our nation today, right? Why, you say, do I talk about that? Because I've been asked that question. And, and uh, I talk about government because the end times is all going to revolve around the governments of the world. Because we know in the end times that there's going to be ten kingdoms that's going to join together. Right? Let's look, at, let's look at examples of today. NATO. NATO's a bunch of nations getting together, right? And if you look at NATO, what they're trying to do, they're trying to put together a one world government. Because the book of Revelation, if you read it, talks about a one world government. And in the end times, what's going to happen? Ten nations, ten top nations, powerful nations are going to join together. And it's going to come together in an alliance as a one world government and attack what? Israel. And it says it's going to be from the north. And who's really the power in the north? It's Russia, right? But God instituted governments. So God knows everything that's going on in the world today, the corruption that's taking place, right? We see in the one world digital currency being evolved, right? Into that one world government. We see it happening today. We are living at the beginning of the end times where we see in the one world government and the one world economy and the one world currency coming into existence. That's pretty awesome because that means Jesus is closer to coming back, right? But government was instituted by God. And he was instituted and put there and the leaders were put there for a reason. Why do I say that? Because look at Romans 13.1, what it says. Romans 13.1 says this. Everyone must submit to govern authorities. For all authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So government is intended to keep order, right? It's intended for the benefits of those who are being governed, like us. And this reason, God says, we must submit to government. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 15 says, Submit yourself 
for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as a supreme authority or to the governors, who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. So as a believer, the Bible is telling us that we should recognize the, 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 the legit, I guess, of, of, of government entities today, of human government, right? We have to respect that. Now, do you have to agree with how they govern? Absolutely not, right? But you must respect government and you must respect authorities. Romans 13, verses 5 through 7. This is about paying taxes. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, the Apostle Paul says. For the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. Oh, so to honor God doesn't mean we dishonor, right? In this case, the emperor. We don't do that. So Jesus is saying that it's okay to pay taxes to Caesar. That's what he's saying right here, right? You see, taxes should be used for the betterment of our community and for our nation. So again, he says, give to Caesar what is Caesar, but also he says, give to God what is God, right? So the question that's constantly asked, especially in today with the administration that we have in office today. And if you're a Christian, there's no way you can agree with what's going on in Washington today. That, now, I'm not saying you disrespect that, but you might not agree with it, which I don't. And if you're a Christian, you shouldn't. Because the agenda that's, that they're throwing forward in Washington today is totally left. And I don't mean to pit left and right, but I'm going to call it like it is, right? But there's a purpose for that. God allowed him to get into office. And some people might say, oh, the election was fixed and rigged. God knew about all this. If it was, God knew about it and God allowed it. And if it wasn't, Biden won because God still put him in office for a reason. And you might say, what is that reason? I believe it's for the downfall of this nation. And I believe if you see it right now, we're going on, we're on the verge of, of a recession, possibly a depression if things don't change, which I don't see it will and I don't think it will. And this country is going to be bankrupt in the next couple of years or so, right? But I think that's all a, God's plan and God's purpose, right? To reset this one world government and this one world currency, right? And you might say, man, you, you talking out your mind, you talking great. But no, I'm not. Read the book of Revelation. Read the prophecy of Daniel. It talks about all this in prophecy. And the, 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 the crazy part is this. There's 98 to 99 percent. I'm saying that. I don't know. Probably 90 percent, 90 some percent of the world that, that really might be religious and might go to church and might be a believer. But they don't read prophecy. They don't understand prophecy. And prophecy, everything in the end times revolves around what the prophet said. Right. So question I get is when can we rebel? As a nation, as a believer, you rebel when this happens, when man's command becomes in conflict with God's command. In other words, 
You choose man or you choose God, you better choose God. Why do I say that? Because if you look in the book of Daniel, the three Hebrew boys, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? When Nebuchadnezzar said, worship this idol and kneel down when the music plays. In the book of Daniel, it talks about that. Everybody knelt down when the music played except these three Hebrew boys. And what happens? They get thrown in the fiery furnace. But because they obeyed God, God did what? God spared their life, right? Because the king looks within the fiery furnace, he says, turn it up double. So instead of it being 354 hern, it was up to 758 hern degrees Fahrenheit. And look what happens. They turn it up, and the king looked, and he said, wasn't there three men you put in there? And his servant said, yes, sir, it was. But he says, look, I see four. It must be one of their gods, right? Because they believed in different gods, Nebuchadnezzar and, and, and all of them, right? But the Babylonian Empire. But you see, the purpose, why I'm telling you that is when man's command overrode God's command. These three Hebrew boys, what they did, they chose God's way. And because they chose God's way, they obeyed God. God spared them. So give to Caesar what is Caesar, but give to God what is God, right? And you see our law of this land and this country is getting more and more liberal. Same-sex marriage, right? Teaching in public schools of transgender, and that's okay, right? This all goes against the word of God because God created man and woman to be one, right? And, and to produce and to have fruit, to bear fruit. To have kids, right? To teach them about God and God's way. To enlarge the kingdom of God. But, but this, this land that we live in today, right? They make laws. And the American people believe this. That if it's a law, then it's morally correct. And that is not true. Like abortion in this land. Let's get to, to abortion. When God's, when man's command override God's. You obey God's laws. You obey God's commands. Don't bow down to man's laws. You fight it. That's when you rebel. Why do I say that? Because if you look in the book of Exodus, something like this took place. Exodus chapter 1, verses 15 through 17, right? The king of Egypt, he had midwives working for him, Hebrew midwives. And when the king of Egypt, when, when Israel was under slavery under Egypt, Right? He took care of them. But the Israel people was the Hebrews were outnumbering the Egyptians. So he told the, the midwives, when you deliver a baby to a Hebrew woman, if it's a boy, kill it. But if it's a girl, let it live. Exodus 1, 15 through 17 says this, right? When you are helping the Hebrew women during childbirth on the delivery stool, if you see the baby as a boy, kill him. But if it's a girl, let him live. But the midwives, however, feared God. And they did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do and let the boys live. See, give to Caesar what is Caesar, but give to God what is God. See, God loves children. Children are a part of his creative plan. Genesis 1.28 says, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. So when God's command and man's command comes in conflict, you obey God. Children are gifts. From God to families. Psalm 127.3 says this. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring are a reward for him. Again. Give to Caesar what is Caesar. Jesus says. But give to God what is God. And again. Whatever is legal in this nation. People think this. That it's morally correct. But that isn't true. 
See, I'm going to give you a story of Norma. Norma McAvee. And everyone probably not familiar with her. Not by that name. But if I tell you her name was Jane Roe and she was in a court case, Roe versus Wade, a lot of people now know who she is, right? See, this woman lived in Texas. This woman grew up in a house, an abusive house that she was physically and sexually abused by her father. Her daddy was an alcoholic, right? And she grew up doing drugs, drinking. She took the wrong path. She lived a homosexual life, a heterosexual life. She, her first marriage failed. She had a child. She had a different child for, for another man. And she had a third child for, for, another, for, for, for another man. But you see her third pregnancy, what happens is she gets pregnant and she, can't, she claims gang rape. Now, you probably don't know this, but there was two young lawyers. Texas at that time was against abortion. Two young lawyers just getting out of law school. They seen Norma. She wasn't educated. She was poor, right? She, she was a perfect fit for their narrative to... Make abortion legal in Texas. So they talked to Norma. And Norma thought about aborting a baby. She thought about it, but she didn't do it. She didn't go through with it. Norma really had that baby. A lot of people don't know about that. But she was used in the court case to get the ruling passed. That's how crooked our law is and our government is, right? But God puts those people in places for a reason, right? Now, she didn't attend not one day of the trial. and People don't know that. She had the baby. She is now an advocate for pro-life, right? So what, what's her story? She was working at a clinic, and she becomes pregnant. She's thinking about getting an abortion. Now, she's working at an abortion clinic. And at that time in the 70s, people picketed every day outside the abortion clinics. And this one lady with her seven-year-old daughter, she would bring her seven-year-old daughter every day. And Norma would pass these people every day and became close with these people every day. Every day she became close with them. And they get to know each other and they start talking. And this little girl becomes fond and she starts hugging Norma. Norma becomes fond of this little girl. Norma ends up going to church with the family. And one week led to another week, led to a month, led to another month until finally Norma becomes saved. Now, she's living a homosexual and a heterosexual life at this time, but she becomes saved. She ends up having the baby. She ends up being an advocate of pro-life. So, again, give to Caesar what is Caesar, but give to God what is God, right? So what Jesus tells them, they have no answer for. And look what happens. When they heard this, they were amazed. So they left and they went away so there's no other way to entrap them so what they did they walked off in amazement so again give to caesar what is caesar but when god when man's command comes in conflict conflict with god's command give to god what is god always obey god over man amen so until next week y'all have a blessed week and a great day god bless